0: Welcome to Marilyn Lightstone Reads Vanity Fair, William Thackeray's deliciously satirical take on a money-mad society set against the backdrop of the Napoleonic Wars. We're delighted you're back for another novel in our podcast series, Marilyn Lightstone Reads. If this is your first time with us, you can find all the other novels in our series plus new episodes at classicalfm.ca or through your favorite podcast app. Now, let's turn to Marilyn as she reads William Thackeray's Vanity Fair.
1: Vanity Fair by William Makepeace Thackeray Chapter 1 Chiswick Mall Early in this 19th century, on a sunshiny morning in June, there drove up to the great iron gate of Miss Pinkerton's Academy for Young Ladies on Chiswick Mall a large coach driven by a fat coachman in a three-cornered hat and wig. A servant, who sat on the box beside the coachman, uncurled his legs as the coach drew up opposite Miss Pinkerton's, and when he rang the bell, twenty young heads were seen peering out of the narrow windows of the stately old house. Amongst them was good-natured Miss Jemima Pinkerton, looking from the window of her drawing-room. "'It is Mrs. Sedley's coach, sister,' said Miss Jemima. "'Samuel has just rung the bell.' "'Have you completed all the necessary preparations incident to Miss Sedley's departure, Miss Jemima?' "'asked Miss Pinkerton, that majestic lady, queen of Hammersmith and friend of Dr. Johnson.' "'The girls were up at four this morning packing her trunk, sister,' replied Miss Jemima. "'We have made her a bunch of flowers.' "'Say a bouquet, Sister Jemima, 'tis more genteel.' "'Well, a bouquet almost as big as a haystack.' "'And I trust, Miss Jemima, you have made a copy of Miss Sedley's account. "'Is this it? Ninety-three pounds, four shillings. "'Please address it to John Sedley, Esquire, "'and seal this letter which I have written to his lady.' "'In Miss Jemima's eyes, a signed letter from her sister, Miss Pinkerton, "'was an object of deep veneration. "'Only when her pupils left the school, "'or when they were about to be married,' and once, when poor Miss Birch died of the scarlet fever, was Miss Pinkerton known to write personally to the parents of her pupils. Jemima thought that if anything could console Mrs. Birch for her daughter's loss, it would be that pious and eloquent letter in which Miss Pinkerton announced her death. In the present instance, Miss Pinkerton's letter went thus. The Mall, Chiswick, June 15th. Madam... "'After her six years' residence at the Mall, I have the honour and happiness of presenting Miss Amelia Sedley to her parents as a young lady not unworthy to occupy a fitting position in their refined circle. Those virtues and accomplishments which characterize a young English gentlewoman will not be found lacking in the amiable Miss Sedley, whose industry—' and obedience have endeared her to her instructors, and whose delightful sweetness of temper has charmed her aged and youthful companions. In music, in dancing, in writing, in every variety of needlework, she will realize her friend's fondest wishes— In geography there is still much to be desired, and an undeviating use of the backboard for four hours daily during the next three years is recommended for that dignified deportment so requisite for every young lady of fashion.' In the principles of religion and morality, Miss Sedley will be found worthy of an establishment which has been honoured by the presence of the great lexicographer, Dr. Johnson. In leaving us, Miss Amelia carries with her the hearts of her companions and the affectionate regards of her headmistress, who has the honour to subscribe herself. "'Your most obliged and humble servant, Barbara Pinkerton.' "'P.S. Miss Sharp accompanies Miss Sedley. "'It is particularly requested that Miss Sharp's stay in Russell Square may not exceed ten days. "'The family with whom she is engaged wish to avail themselves of her services as soon as possible.' Next, Miss Pinkerton wrote her own name and Miss Sedley's in the fly-leaf of a Johnson's dictionary, the work which she always presented to her scholars on their departure. On the cover was a copy of Lines Addressed to a Young Lady on Quitting Miss Pinkerton's School by the late revered Dr. Samuel Johnson. In fact, the lexicographer's name was always on Miss Pinkerton's lips, and a visit he had once paid to her was the cause of her reputation and her fortune. Being commanded by her elder sister to get the dictionary from the cupboard, Miss Jemima had taken out two copies of the book. When Miss Pinkerton had finished writing in the first, Jemima timidly handed her the second. "'For whom is this?' "'said Miss Pinkerton, with awful coldness. "'For Becky Sharp,' answered Jemima, trembling and blushing. "'She's going to—' "'Miss Jemima!' exclaimed Miss Pinkerton, in the largest capitals. "'Are you in your senses? "'Replace the dictionary in the closet, and never take such a liberty again.' "'Well, sister, it's only two and ninepence, "'and poor Becky will be miserable if she don't get one.' "'Send Miss Amelia Sedley instantly to me,' said Miss Pinkerton. Not daring to say another word, poor Jemima trotted off, exceedingly flurried and nervous. Miss Sedley's papa was a wealthy merchant in London, whereas Miss Sharp was an articled pupil working as an assistant teacher. For her, Miss Pinkerton thought she had done quite enough without giving her the honour of the dictionary.' Although schoolmistresses' letters are to be trusted no more than churchyard epitaphs, yet sometimes a person is really deserving of all the praises carved on his gravestone. And so, in academies, every now and then, a pupil is fully worthy of the praises bestowed by their teacher. Miss Amelia Sedley was a young lady of this sort. She deserved not only all that Miss Pinkerton said in her praise, but had many charming qualities which that pompous old woman could not see. For she could not only sing like a lark, dance, embroider beautifully, and spell as well as a dictionary, but she had such a kindly, smiling, tender, generous heart as won the love of everybody who came near her, right down to the poor girl in the scullery, she had twelve intimate friends out of the twenty-four young ladies. Even envious Miss Briggs never spoke ill of her. High and mighty Miss Saltier allowed that she was genteel. And as for Miss Swartz, the rich mulatto from St. Kitts, when Amelia went away, she was in a passion of tears." "'Miss Jemima had already whimpered several times at the idea of Amelia's departure, "'and, but for fear of her sister, would have had downright hysterics. "'Such luxury of grief, however, is only allowed to parlor boarders. "'Honest Jemima had all the bills and the washing and the mending and the puddings "'and the crockery and the servants to superintend. "'But why speak about her?' we shall probably not hear of her again from this moment to the end of time. But, as we are to see a great deal of Amelia, there is no harm in saying at the outset that she was a dear little creature, and a great mercy it is, both in life and in novels, to have so guileless and good-natured a companion. As she is not a heroine, there is no need to describe her looks, Indeed, I am afraid that her nose was rather short, and her cheeks a great deal too round and red for a heroine, but her face blushed with rosy health, and her lips with the freshest of smiles, and her eyes sparkled with bright good humour, except when they filled with tears, and that was a great deal too often, for the silly thing would cry over a dead canary bird, or the end of a novel, even a stupid one. "'if anybody were so hard-hearted as to say an unkind word to her, "'so much the worse for them. "'Even the austere Miss Pinkerton ceased scolding her after the first time "'and gave all the teachers particular orders "'to treat Miss Sedley with the utmost gentleness. "'When the day of departure came, Miss Sedley was glad to go home "'and yet woefully sad at leaving school.' For three days before, little Laura Martin, the orphan, followed her about like a dog. She had to make and receive fourteen presents, to make fourteen solemn promises of writing every week. "'Oh, write every day, you dear darling,' said the impetuous but affectionate Miss Swartz. And Laura Martin took her hand and said wistfully, "'Amelia, when I write to you, I shall call you Mamma." all of which details, no doubt, Jones, who reads this book at his club, will pronounce to be excessively foolish, trivial, twaddling, and ultra-sentimental. Well, he is a lofty man of genius and admires the great and heroic, and so he had better take warning and go elsewhere. Well then, "'Miss Sedley's flowers, presents, trunks, and bonnet-boxes "'were arranged by Samuel in the carriage, "'together with a very small and weather-beaten old trunk, "'with Miss Sharp's card nailed to it. "'The grief of parting was considerably lessened "'by the speech which Miss Pinkerton addressed to her pupil, "'and which was intolerably dull. "'A seed-cake and a bottle of wine were produced in the drawing-room, "'and after these refreshments... Miss Sedley was at liberty to depart. "'You'll go in and say good to Miss Pinkerton, Becky,' said Miss Jemima to a young lady of whom nobody took any notice, who was coming downstairs with her own pan box. "'I suppose I must,' said Miss Sharp calmly, much to the wonder of Miss Jemima.' Miss Sharp entered Miss Pinkerton's room in a very unconcerned manner and said in French, with a perfect accent, Mademoiselle, je viens vous faire mes adieux. Miss Pinkerton did not understand French, but throwing up her turbaned head, she said, Miss Sharp, I wish you a good morning. She majestically waved one hand, both by way of adieu and to allow Miss Sharp an opportunity of shaking it. Miss Sharp only folded her own hands with a very frigid smile and bow, and Miss Pinkerton tossed up her turban more indignantly than ever. It was a little battle between the young lady and the old one, and the latter was worsted. "'Heaven bless you, my child,' said she, embracing Amelia and scowling over the girl's shoulder at Miss Sharp. "'Come away, Becky,' "'said Miss Jemima, pulling the young woman away in alarm, "'and the drawing-room door closed upon them. "'Then came the parting with the young ladies. "'There was such a hugging and kissing and crying "'as no pen can depict. "'The embracing over, they parted. "'That is, Miss Sedley parted from her friends. "'Miss Sharp had demurely entered the carriage "'some minutes before. "'Nobody cried at leaving her.' "'Samuel slammed the carriage door on his young, weeping mistress "'and sprang up behind the carriage. "'Stop!' cried Miss Jemima, rushing to the gate with a parcel. "'It's some sandwiches, my dear,' said she to Amelia. "'You may be hungry, you know, and, Becky Sharp, "'here's a book for you that my sister—that is, (laughs) I— "'Johnson's Dictionary, you know. "'You mustn't leave us without that. "'Goodbye.' God bless you. And the kind creature retreated. But lo, as the coach drove off, Miss Sharp put her pale face out of the window and flung the book back into the garden. Jemima almost fainted with terror. Well, I never, said she. What an audacious emotion prevented her from finishing. The carriage rolled away. The great gates were closed. The world is before the two young ladies. And so, farewell to Chiswick Mall.
0: Thanks for listening to Marilyn Lightstone Reads Vanity Fair. This episode was produced by Justin Eacock, executive producer Moses Nimer. This is the latest book in our podcast series, Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Other selections include Showboat. Anne of Green Gables, The Age of Innocence, Pride and Prejudice, and The Woman in White. You can also help support this podcast by recommending it to your friends and leaving a five-star review in your preferred podcast store. And while you're there, look for a variety of other quality podcasts proudly presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network.